Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly Podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Get your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. I want to give you and show you something so powerful that if you get a hold of this teaching, it'll change your life, not only today, but tomorrow and the days and the weeks and the months and the years to come should the Lord tarry. It's a very simple teaching, and yet it has a very profound truth. I want to speak to you on the genuine power of expectation. When you begin to expect and believe and put a demand on the promises of God. It's amazing what takes place in your life. Luke chapter three, verse 15 and 16. Now as the people were in expectation, everyone say expectation, and all reason in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not, John answered saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now the key to the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire that we just read in verse 16 is first seen in verse 15 where it says, now the people were in expectation. Now the people were in expectation. In my study, I noticed the location of this verse is very significant because up to this time, there had been 400 years of silence. The Old Testament ends with the book of Malachi, and this is followed by 400 years of silence where God refuses to speak. All of heaven is silent. No prophets, no words from the Lord. And we move forward 400 years, and we pick up the story in the book of Luke where God pulls back the veil and he gives us a clue or a glimpse into the atmosphere that God was looking for so that he might pour out the Holy Spirit. And the atmosphere was described this way, and the people were in expectation. In my study, I couldn't help but ask the Lord, could it be, Lord, that you stayed silent for 400 years because you were waiting for the church to get hungry, waiting for the church to get expected. I love the New Williams New Testament translation. The Williams New Testament translation says it this way. Now, while the people were on tiptoes in their expectation, I want you to get a mental picture. They're on their tiptoes in expectation. Friends, I believe with all my heart that it is tiptoe time again around faith assembly. Come on now. I believe it's tiptoe time in the church of Jesus Christ around the world. We need to come to a deep understanding that if God is going to do something in an end time church, he first looks for people who are filled with expectation. You see, we need to expect God to pour out his spirit. We need to expect God to begin to do the impossible again with great anticipation, with great expectation, saying, God, what's going to happen today? I can't wait to see who you will put upon my path. I call those divine encounters. Lord, I want a divine encounter today at the Publix grocery store. 
I'm praying for a divine encounter today as I pull in to a very expensive place, the gas station. There was a wife that was complaining that her husband never took her anywhere expensive, so he took her to the gas station. But Lord, I am expecting great things. When you come to the house of the Lord, you need, you need to sing and worship in expectation. You must sow and give your offerings in expectation that, Lord, as I give, I am expecting a harvest of lost souls. I'm expecting people, by the power of God, to have lives changed. You must pray in expectation. You must expect miracles. Expect God to pour out the Holy Spirit on your children and on your grandchildren, even though there is no sign that they are even responding to the voice of God. Lord, I am expecting and believing because the word says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he was old, he shall not depart from it. Oh, come on, if you believe it, praise him. Yes. Lord, I'm expecting the outpouring of the Holy Spirit this morning. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Let me explain to you what that means. I want to announce to you today that there is nothing between you and your miracle. Jesus has removed it, he's nailed it to the cross, and you need to be on your tiptoes with expectation, believing that God is ready to do something in your life today. Listen, I make no apologies for believing that this church still believes in the power of healing. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that we believe also that you can receive your miracle in this atmosphere because Jesus is alive and well. If you believe that, I want you to clap your hands and give him praise. Yes. Expect God on your family, on your friends, on your children. Expect pain to leave your body. Expect your healing. Expect to receive your miracle. Expect to be delivered from alcoholism, fear, and doubt, and worry, and depression, and defeat. I told him in the previous services that I would be a multimillionaire if I had a dollar every single time people would email or Instagram or Facebook the ministry, and they say, we can't sleep at night. And I'll say, why? Well, we're tossing and turning. Can't turn off my mind. I'm worried about the choices my adult children are making. Worried about members of my family. Worried about the Delta variant and worried about the COVID and they'll go on and on and on. Worried about the transgender issue in our public schools and I'm worried about the, the teaching on critical race theory and all the politics and everything that is taking place. And I'll email back or I'll Instagram back and I'll say, my friend, the scripture tells us that God did not bring a spirit of fear. Oh, you didn't hear me. God did not bring a spirit of fear but of love, joy, peace, and a sound mind. And when those things come against you, it's time to expect a spirit of rest to fill your life. Lord, I'm expecting when I lay down my head that the presence of the Almighty God will fill my room and there'll be a peace that passes all understanding and I'm resting in the very hand of Jehovah God. Oh, come on, somebody. You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. 
Psalm 119, 126. It's time for you to act, O Lord, for they have regarded your law as void. In other words, when you see people disregarding God and his word, when you see the culture turning away from the power of God and a biblical worldview. See, a biblical worldview simply means we believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. And we run everything in our life, from our finances to how we raise our children to how I respond with my wife and my husband, we run that through the word of God. That's a biblical worldview. And when we see the world turning away from a biblical worldview, and they begin to laugh that we think marriage is between a man and a woman. Listen, that's not a political statement. That's a scriptural statement. God said, I made them male and female in my image. I made them both. And when we see the world coming against the sanctity of life, I believe the womb is the workshop of God. I believe we must protect the womb at all costs. For the book of Jeremiah said, I selected you. I was there. He knows who you are, young lady. He selected your hair color. He selected your eye color. And he selected your sex. He is God Almighty. And he doesn't make mistakes. And when you see the world laughing at those things and mocking at God's word, that's not a time to be depressed. That's not a time to be worried. That's not a time to be downcast. That simply means it is time for the church to look up in expectation. For this is the time that God will begin to flow through the body of believers, you and I. This is the hour that God will rise up with healing in his wings. That he'll bring us suddenly to the church to show his power and his authority and his sovereignty, but also his love and grace to a hurting and a lost world. Well, if you believe that, someone shout amen. amen. This is our hour. This is our time. Many of you are facing giants in your life. Like the young shepherd David, you had to learn how to fight the lion and the bear, but now the giant is trying to cause fear and panic to run through your life. Fear and panic in your home. Let me tell you, just as God has hand-selected Goliath for David to show his power flowing through a young man so all the nation of Israel can recognize that God's hand was on David, likewise, God's hand has selected you as well, and he's hand-selected your giants because he's also hand-selected your victory. Your victory is on the way. And he's hand-selected those things. It all depends on how you respond to adversity. How will you respond to adversity? What do you believe? Are you a believer or do you just believe? Now there's a difference. Now let me tell you what I believe. And I do this not just to elicit a response, but I do it so that you know you're not the only one who believes that way. Understand that Satan will create a train of thought that so fits your way of thinking that you suppose it comes to your own line of reasoning and these thoughts will come. And suddenly the thought will come, you're the only one that has a biblical worldview. Look at everybody on, their, on your job. They think you're crazy. They think you're nuts. Look at what's happening in the universities of America. They don't have a biblical worldview. You're on an island. You're the only one. But let me tell you, friend, you are not the only one. There are many that have a biblical worldview. Just look around you. And that is why you have to be in church every time the doors are open. 
so that you are around people that have a same thought process that God is flowing through so that you know as I'm going against the culture with no morals, ethics, or integrity, there are many others that are standing right along with me. Come on, somebody shout amen. Yes. So let me tell you what I believe. The moment you hear something you believe, you shout amen. You shout hallelujah. You shout praise the Lord. You might want to jump up on your feet, and if you're Puerto Rican like I am, you might just say. <laughs> I believe in God's written word. I believe in God's promises. I believe what God says is true. I believe in God the Father, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, who is our Lord and our Savior, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. I believe he descended into the gates of hell, and on the third day he rose again from the dead, ascending into the heaven, and now he sits at the right hand of God the Father. I believe in all 66 books of the Bible. I believe the time is coming. Oh, come Come on, somebody. I believe the time is coming when Jesus Christ will come again. That is when he will judge those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. I believe in the Holy Spirit who was sent from the Father to be the mirror image of Jesus Christ on planet Earth until he comes again. I believe in the Holy Christian Church. I believe in the forgiving of the saints. I believe in the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. And I believe in my time. I will hear the the trumpet sound of God. The dead in Christ shall rise, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up in the air with King Jesus. If you believe like I do, somebody shout to God and put your hands together and praise him right now. Oh, come on, faith assembly, praise him. Oh, don't patty cake him. Praise him right now. We praise you, Lord. Oh, don't stop. Don't stop. Somebody praise him. Somebody praise him. If we don't praise him, the rocks shall cry out. I'm asking you to lift up your voice and praise the name of Jesus of Nazareth. To praise the lion of the tribe of Judah. Come on, somebody praise him. Woo, hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Friend, please understand, through that belief, we develop a passion for God that drives our life. If you're not a believer, then I invite you to become a believer and get as far as the devil and his demons. For the Bible tells us the devil and his demons believe in God and they tremble. However, they are incapable of advancing past belief. But once you become the shed blood of Jesus, once you believe in the power of the resurrection, once you believe that once I was old, now I am young, never have I seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. Through faith, you now have an open door into eternal life and you come into salvation because God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. If you believe that, come on, praise him right now. Oh, hallelujah. The raw power of expectation is seen in Acts, the third chapter, where the Bible says there was a lame man who was brought to the temple, and they laid him there daily. Now, this is a very familiar, popular scripture that I've heard many preachers preach, 
And I've heard many say that the miracle was dependent upon Peter and James saying, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, arise and walk. Now listen, friend, I know the power in Jesus' name. I know there's healing in Jesus' name. I know there's eternity in Jesus' name. I know there's salvation in Jesus' name. I know he still is the name that is above every name. But notice that power in Jesus' name did not activate itself. Oh, don't miss it. That power in Jesus' name did not activate itself. You have to partner with the miracle. Don't miss it. Well, I'm just sitting waiting for God. Beloved, he's done everything that needs to be done. It's already finished. Eloi, Eloi, my God, my God, why? And then he cries out, it is finished. Your miracle has already been paid for. It's already there. Notice the power in Jesus' name did not activate itself. Notice that the miracle for the lame man was dependent upon Acts 3, 5, where it says, so he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Are you expecting? Are you expecting? See, you're looking at me and I'm looking at you, but I don't know if you got up this morning expecting a miracle. I don't know if while you were driving to church, you began to say, Lord, I'm expecting the outpouring. I don't know the moment you start to lift your hands and praise him that you began to say, Lord, as I praise you, I'm expecting the very presence of God to fill this room, Lord. For the Bible says you encamped and inhabit the praises of your people. This man's attitude was, I don't hope, I don't think, I expect. I expect to receive something from that man. In other words... This man put a demand on the reservoir of anointing in the apostles and disciples. I know he's saying there's a reservoir of anointing and healing in you. I'm going to put a demand on that by my obedience. I'm expecting a miracle. There is something that the enemy is tormented by. It is recorded in 1 John 3 and 2 where it says, Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be. You see, the devil is not concerned about what we used to be. And the devil is not concerned about what we are today. No, please understand, your life's choices have put you on the radar of hell. Hell knows where you live if you're a child of God. They know where you sleep. All of hell, though, is on high alert. As we are facing a new year, all of hell is on high alert in what faith assembly can be in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe you haven't seen anything as of yet. We haven't seen anything as of yet. And this thought really hit me this week. The devil is really not concerned about our past and our present has got his attention. But apparently, by the way, he's been attacking the church here lately. Apparently, by the way, he's been attacking individuals who will email the ministry and they're saying the struggles and the sleeplessness and all the things that are hitting our children. 
All the things that are hitting a culture today that are, that are hitting our young couples and families. Apparently, friend, there must be something that has not yet appeared that has all of hell on high alert. That God is going to do something so supernatural in the church and he wants to use you and he wants to use me to shake the gates of hell and the gates of hell shall not prevail against what God wants to do in this place. Oh, come on, if you believe it, praise him for it. Hallelujah. Something is coming. How many can sense something is coming? It's right around the corner. In fact, if you sense that, I want you to lift your hands right now and lift your voice and begin to praise the Lord and tell the Lord, I'm ready. I am willing. I am able. I'm expecting the rain to fall from heaven. Come on, faith assembly. Right now, proclaim it. Somebody praise the Lord that the storm clouds of revival are gathering over the balconies of heaven and they're getting ready to set upon faith assembly in Orlando, Florida. Yet we have not even begun to see the miracles and the healings and the anointing that is coming. Our greatest miracles are not behind us. Our greatest miracles are ahead of us. So right now, you lift up your voice and intercede for your family. Right now. Right now. In the name of Jesus. That's it. Don't stop. Don't stop. We're believing you, Lord, for greater things. Eye has not seen nor ear has heard. Neither has entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. Oh, come on. Somebody press in. We have to keep going and allow the raw power of expectation to catapult us to the next level with God. We're on our way to the next level of anointing. We're on our way to the next level of healing. Come on, church. Somebody praise him. Hallelujah. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. And, and I know when I say these things, that somebody listening will say, well, you know, Randy, it's been pretty tough the last couple of years. And to be quite honest with you, my faith is not what it used to be. That's okay. For to you, I say, we serve a God that is greater than your faith. Well, my prayer life, I've allowed the politics of this world and I've allowed all the stuff that's going on to robbed me of my prayer life, and if I'm honest with you and honest with God, I really don't pray like I used to. That's okay. You serve a, we serve a God greater than your prayer life. Well, Brother Randy, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like God has forgotten me and my family. We served him for all these years, and now it seems like our prayers aren't being answered. As if they're just bouncing off the ceiling, and we're not getting through. And so I feel as if God has forgotten me. Hebrews 6.10 tells us, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love. For God to forget you, he would have to be unrighteous, and that's impossible. It's impossible for God to forget what he has promised you. And so the only question is this morning, are you expecting it? In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, are you expecting? Some of you husbands might get an answer you weren't expecting. <laughs> are you expecting? Are you believing? Have you allowed the world to steal 
the power of God in your home. I shared with the first service that when my wife and I were in our mid-20s, early, late-20s, we went to the doctor, and the doctor checked my wife out, and he said, well, kid, you're expecting. I looked at him. I was dumb and ignorant and young. I said, expecting what? <laughs> he said, you're expecting a baby. For those of you that are my age, I'm 56 and a little older, the moment he heard, I heard that, for some reason, Fred Sanford, just in my mind, I said, he's coming home, Lord. You know? <laughs> he said, well, now that you're expecting, you've got to prepare. And I'll never forget his words as we walked out, prepare and expect, prepare and expect, prepare and expect. We had a little tiny apartment at the time, a two-bedroom apartment. It couldn't have been 800, 900 square feet. And the whole way home, my wife, you know, the moment that we found out we were expecting, everything changed. Our language changed. The way we spoke changed. The finances and how we spent the finances, it changed. Are you expecting? We got home and she said, okay, take your office. We had a little two-bedroom apartment. Take your, your desk and your file cabinet and put it out on the patio. <laughs> I said, why? She said, we're expecting. Got to go buy a bassinet. Got to go buy a crib. Got to prepare. Went back for third month checkup, and the doctor says, well, you've got to go to Lamaze. You got to prepare and expect. I said, why do I got to go? He said, because you're the coach. I said, okay. Hee <laughs> hee, hoo hoo. Deep cleansing breath. Stupidest thing I've ever done. He, he, who, who, he. Now, you know, I was going through all the classes, and, and I thought, you know, and everything was wonderful until she hit five and a half, six centimeters. Up to that point, it's he, he, who, who, he. Deep cleansing breath. Oh, it's wonderful. Oh, this is beautiful. We're high five, and this is great. We're young. You know, this is, she hit five and a half centimeters. <laughs> it was like the walking dead. <laughs> you did this to me. She said, come here. I said, uh-uh. She actually told me, I wanted to grab your top lip and pull it over the top of your head. She said, you'll never touch me again. <laughs> Praise God, gentlemen, we got four kids. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so she says, get me something. And, you know, I said, hee-hee, <laughs> cleansing breath. <laughs> she got me something. So I ran out in the hallway and I told the doctor, I said, help. And the anesthesiologist is walking real slow. And I said, brother, you better put a step in that walk. He said, oh, kid, I've seen it before. I said, you ain't seen it like this, man. She got horns coming out the top of her head. Got a tongue like that. And they lifted her up and they found her epidural tract, you know, and they put that epidural in and she was, I hate you. And that medicine went in, right? And she went, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> And you know, the Holy Spirit will take the most practical things and teach you the most prophetic truth. And I'm sitting there, and that's why you've got to be so in tune to the voice of the Lord. Prepare and expect. Say it with me. Prepare and expect. Say it again. Prepare. Oh, come on, say it again. Prepare and expect. 
So as she's sitting there and she's going through her contractions, but now she can't feel anything. The Lord said, you know, the same process happens with my church as they prepare to birth a miracle. The Holy Spirit overshadows them and they become impregnated with the miracle. But before the miracle is birthed, it can get very difficult. And the pain can be excruciating. And you wonder, will I ever make it through this? I just can't make it through this. The pain will hit your body and you'll say, Lord, I just can't make it through this. And then you rise up and you come to the altars of grace and the Holy Spirit, who is the great physician, he begins to find that place where the pain is the most difficult, and he injects into you a peace that passes all understanding. He said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but my peace I give to you. Listen, that is so prophetic, because he said, my peace, the same peace that kept him as he stood before the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians, the same peace that allowed him to carry across through the cobblestone streets of Jerusalem as he was on his way to Golgotha. The same peace that allowed him to jerk up his head and cry out, it is finished. He said, that is the peace that I want to give to you. Not my peace, but the world. My, my peace. Are you catching it? The power of the peace of God. Oh, if you're ready to receive it, somebody clap your hands and praise him for it. Hallelujah. Hebrews 9, 28, and unto them that look for him shall he appear. Are you looking for miracles? Are you looking for greater things next year? Are you expecting the outpouring? We become so sophisticated, we become so educated, we become so theological, we know it all, that we have boxed God out of the church and boxed God out of our miracles and boxed God out of our families. But this morning, I'm saying, Holy Spirit, would you come and possess our church? We're in expectancy. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're waiting on the mighty rushing wind. We need the anointing to come and break the yoke so we can receive our miracle. Listen, the anointing makes the difference. Every husband, you need the anointing. First John 2.20 says, you have an anointing that abides. The anointing is the personality of the Holy Spirit. You receive it at salvation. The Holy Spirit of God wants to move in your life at times of crisis, compromise an opportunity. He wants to rise up within you and rest upon you. You need the anointing of God. How many say, I want the anointing? I'm, I'm longing for the anointing. It's the anointing that makes the difference. If you're a teacher in the public school system, you need the anointing. If you're a businessman, you need the anointing. If you're a lawyer or a doctor, you need the anointing. If you're a mother raising kids, you need the anointing. If you're a husband that's married, you need the anointing. Say with me, the anointing makes the difference. Come on, the anointing, it makes the difference. When they set the lame man down outside the gate, he looked at Peter and John, and he was expecting in Mark 10 and 50, we are told Bartimaeus had a beggar's garment. Now, we read over this and don't quite understand it because our culture doesn't understand it. But did you know that the government issued them an official beggar's garment during biblical times? In biblical days, blind was often seen as a curse. If you were blind or if you were deaf or if you were lame or you couldn't speak, 
well, it must have been because your parents did something in a former life and now you are paying for it and you are cursed. And there was really no way to support themselves financially, so beggars were given a cloak. They'd go before the magistrate and the magistrate would check them out and give them a certain color cloak so that everyone around them would know this is an official beggar. In other words, the government put a stamp on them on who they were. Oh, don't miss it. And that cloak was a certain color. And when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was passing by, he did something so amazing. He took his garment and he threw it away. He threw off his cloak. He threw off the old way of life. He threw off his comfort zone. He let go of the safety net. This was his only way of surviving. He was done being defined as a beggar. He was done being defined what the culture said he was. He said, I am still blind, but if Jesus is anywhere near me, my hope is built on nothing less but Jesus Christ and his blessedness. Oh, somebody needs to shout right now that your hope is in Jesus. And there's somebody watching me right now that you're sick and tired of the world telling you you'll never amount to anything because your parents were a certain way or your grandparents were a certain way. Listen, friend, the very moment you come to know Jesus Christ, every curse of hell and sin is broken over your life. If you believe that, come on, somebody praise him. Every generational curse is broken and the blood of Jesus begins to bring you out and you begin to be adopted by the greatest father in the history of the world. Bartimaeus said, it is sink or swim time. Either I'm going to be healed or I will have nothing. You, you can't tell me anymore that I'm a certain way. Listen, we are now preaching to a culture and a generation that doesn't understand that Jesus is still alive and well. Don't you dare let the world tell you how high you can rise. Don't you dare let the world tell you, well, you can't go to college because of this or that reason. No, no, that's a lie from the pits of hell. My father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. My God can do all things in me. I'm a child of the almighty God. I'm the head and not the tail. Oh, come on, if you believe and praise him for it. Hallelujah. I told you that the Holy Spirit of God wants to do and baptize you in fire. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, it means if the Holy Spirit desires it, it means if you allow the Holy Spirit to accomplish in your life several things, your life will change. And the Holy Spirit wants to accomplish several things. In the closing moments that we have together, these things deserve far more time than I have to dedicate to them right now. I look forward to coming again. Maybe we could have more time. But the Holy Spirit wants to do several things. Number one, the Holy Spirit wants to invade you. He wants to invade you. Invasion is a military term of warfare. When one army conquers another, they invade every part of the city. And when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he invades and fills every part of your life, every inch of your life. We got an illustration of invasion when the Taliban came into the city of Mosul and Afghanistan, we saw what happened there at the airport. People were holding on to the planes. The Taliban went into every nook and cranny. That's an illustration of invasion. 
There's someone listening to me. You need to hear me say, the Holy Spirit wants to invade your life, sir, because he knows the little boy that's in your life, even though you're 56 years old. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And do you know why that's so critical, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? Because some of you are haunted by what you did yesterday. And Satan is trying to keep you in yesterday, though you are trapped in today. And nobody has the power to go to your yesterday except Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> because of the resurrection, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Second, the Holy Spirit wants to envelop you or seal you. In other words, he wants to encase you in his protection. Ephesians 1 and 13 tells us we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. When I was in high school and early in college, they taught us how to write letters, and you would take that letter and you would drop it into an envelope, and that envelope would encase it, and then you would seal that envelope, and that envelope would keep that letter clean and protected from damage until it got to the new owner, the rightful owner, and you would put a stamp of approval on it, you would pay the purchase price to get it there. The Bible tells us that because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the very moment you become a child of God, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The blood of Jesus has purchased your salvation, and the Holy Spirit wants to encase you or protect you and your family to get you to heaven so that when you get there, you are without spot or wrinkle. That should make you want to shout. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit wants to instruct you, to teach you. Jesus said in John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, with whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. I've taught this concept in men's conferences, and I'll say, guys, if you're out on the job and you don't know how to do something, just bow your head and say, Holy Spirit, will you teach me? And then tune your ears to the voice of God. Fourthly, the Holy Spirit will impress you. One of the ministry gifts of the Holy Spirit is to bring impressions into our life on what we are supposed to do. You'll be going through your day, and then all of a sudden, a name will come to your mind that you haven't thought about for a month of Sundays. And the Lord will say, call them, pray for them. And if you're obedient, you put a demand or a draw on the anointing in your life, and suddenly things begin to happen. And you'll call them, and they'll say, how did you know? I'm really going through it. Because the Holy Spirit will impress you. While speaking in New York City for Pastor Steve Malazzo there, Bethlehem Assembly in Valley Stream, New York, I was having lunch with he and his executive, and the executive pastor said, Brother Randy, my assistant was working in the second tower during 9-11. She said they saw the first plane hit, and the alarm went out to evacuate. They were in the stairwell between the 90th and the 100th floor, and then the word came back, all clear, everyone go back. She saw all of her co-workers turn around and go back up, but she said she heard a voice. Keep moving. Keep going. She said it was just a deep impression 
And I turned to look, and there was nobody there. They had all gone up. And she said, I kept going down the stairwell, made it out across the lobby, went across the, the, the courtyard there in time to turn around and see the second plane hit the tower. He will impress you. Fifth, the Holy Spirit wants to indwell in you, John 4, 14. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Oh, you're making me wish I had time to teach you that the Holy Spirit moves like a river in your life. The river of the Holy Spirit. The provision, the power, of purpose of the river of God is amazing. Jesus likens the Holy Spirit to a river at the Feast of Tabernacles when he cries out, He that believeth in me, out of his innermost belly shall flow rivers of living water. And that living water, of course, is talking about the power of the Holy Spirit in you. He wants to indwell you. He wants to fill you. He wants to, envelope, he wants to envelop you. He wants to instruct you. And all I need to receive the baptism of fire from the Father is for you to begin to operate in a spirit of expectation. There's a little saying I have on my desk in my office. I will not allow what I see to affect what I know. I will not allow what I see to affect what I know. Would you say that with me? I will not allow what I see to affect what I know. Say it again. I will not allow what I see to affect. I know you're a healer, God, and even though I don't see it, I'm believing it, I'm expecting it. I know you're a friend that sticks closer than a brother, Lord. I don't see it yet, but I'm expecting it. I want all our musicians to come quickly. All the singers, all the Levites, I want you all to come. I believe there's a spirit of expectation that's about to be birthed in this church. We haven't seen anything yet. How many by an upraised hand say, Brother Randy, I'm ready for greater miracles. I'm ready for a greater harvest. We're ready to see more people come to our church and get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And we haven't begun to see the miracles through missions that we're about to see in this new year. I'm gonna ask you, by obedience to the voice of God, for you to put a demand on the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In Philippians 1.19, as I close, the Apostle Paul is sitting in prison. He is writing to the church in Philippi, and he says, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance, some translations say my salvation, through your power, through your prayer, and the supply of the Spirit in Jesus' name. In other words, there's a supply of the Spirit, or the anointing is given to every single one of us. There is a supply of the Spirit that never runs dry that's in Jesus Christ. Right now in this room, there is a supply of the Spirit for financial provision. There's a supply of the Spirit for breakthrough, for homes that are in crisis that need a miracle. But you don't always get to that anointing unless you put a demand on it through your expectations. Supply means storehouse or reservoir. And I'm telling you, there's a supply that never runs dry. And every person that has accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you have an anointing that abides. 
you have an anointing. But we have to put a demand on that by our obedience and our expectation. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.